What if? What if? What if is the title of a song that asks, what if I climbed that mountain? What if I swam to that shore? What if every battle was victorious? Then would you love me more? What if I were everyone's first choice? What if I went further than before? What if I stood high above the rest? Would you love me more? You say I belong to you apart from the things I do. You say I belong to you. I'm in awe of why you do. Why you do. What if I ignored the hand that fed me? What if I forgot to confess? What if I stumbled down that mountain? Then would you love me less? Lord, would you love me less? What if I were everyone's last choice? What if I mixed in with the rest? What if I failed what I passed before? Then would you love me less? Lord, would you love me less? You say I belong to you apart from the things I do. You say I belong to you. I'm in awe of why you do. Would you love me more? Would you love me less? Do I belong to you apart from the things I do? This song that I quoted from is about relationship. Relationship with God, God the Father. Do you ever ask those questions of God? Do you love me more when I'm good? Or do you love me more when I'm successful? Do you love me less when I'm bad? Or do you love me less when I fail? Or do I belong to you? Are you still my God, my Father, apart from the things I do? What if? What if? Today we're going to look at what if. Lessons from a father and a son. Is God's love for us based on doing or is it on being? Is it on actions or is it on relatedness or relationship? These are great questions to ask and answer, hopefully, on Father's Day. On Father's Day. The Bible has some answers to these questions, and they come in a story told by Jesus. It's called a parable. And I'd like to read that parable today. It's in Luke 15, familiar to many of us. Luke 15, it's on page 849 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Luke 15, we're going to read verses 11 to 24 as we look at what if, what if. Verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Then he came to a census. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine who is dead is now alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is the third of three stories called parables that teach a lesson told by Jesus. And Jesus told these three stories to answer a complaint. This complaint was made by some of the religious people of that day. And what was that complaint? We find it in verse 2 of this same chapter. Their complaint was, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. In other words, this man, Jesus, associates with a wrong kind of people. The prostitutes and pimps, the exotic dancers and the loan sharks and the drug dealers and drug addicts and alcoholics and embezzlers and corrupt company CEOs, the homeless and the street people. They complained that Jesus had a relationship with those kinds of people. So Jesus tells a what-if story, a what-if story, a story of love and relationship. The love of a father, the poor choices of a wayward son, his ruin, his return, and reunion. And I want us to ask, what, what do we learn about God? What do we learn about God? And what do we learn about us in this story? There are two main characters in our story, the father, who represents God, and the son, who represents us. That's us. Let's start by looking at the relationship. The relationship. Letter A is the father. Let's look at long and hard at the father. See his actions and see his reactions. What is this father like? Does he love the son more or less by the things he does? I want you to feel his heartbreak. Sense his, his relentless love for his son. The father, first of all, loves with extravagant and unconditional love. Extravagant and unconditional love. Some, some call the story the prodigal God, the story of the prodigal God. Prodigal defined as exceedingly or recklessly wasteful, extremely generous, lavish, extremely abundant. And these phrases, the prodigal, these phrases describe a father whose love knows no limits. It's extravagant to the point of being wasteful. Why would someone waste love on a person who does not deserve it? They don't deserve it. Someone who does not return love, why would you waste that? Does that seem extravagant or wasteful? Yet this father extended that love to his son unconditionally, unconditionally. That's the love that has been extended to us. We, we are the son. We're the son. This love is extravagant, it's wasteful. Even though we don't love in return, 
that love is still extended to us. That love is unconditional. We've done nothing to earn it. In fact, we cannot earn that love. God has placed no conditions on this love. It's conditionless. Conditionless. I guess maybe only a parent can understand this kind of love. It's extravagant. It's unconditional. Not only do we discover that God loves us with extravagant and unconditional love. Secondly, we discover that Father God is open and approachable. He's open and approachable. In verse 12, the son says, Father, give me my share of the estate. Give Give me my share of the estate. What was this father like that he could ask him for something like that? His son requests his inheritance while his father was still alive and in good health. Kenneth Bailey writes this. He says, in Middle Eastern culture, this means, Father, I'm eager for you to die. I want you to die. The request is unthinkable in the culture in which this occurred. It would be like a son or daughter selling the family business, converting it to cash while the father's still working it. Total selfishness. Unbelievable. Did the father object? Did he know why the son wanted his inheritance? Yes, he did. The son didn't say, give me my share so I can get out of here and run my own life. But that was his hidden agenda. That was his hidden agenda. And even though the father knew, he gave generously. Talk about open and approachable. We think of God as way up there. He's distant. He's unapproachable. Yet the Bible and Jesus himself gives us a far different picture. A a picture of a father who openly welcomes his children and actually listens to their requests. God has given us many good gifts as an inheritance, life, intellect, abilities, and talents. He knows full well that we might abuse those gifts. We might abuse those gifts. Why does he do that? Thirdly, God the Father gives the freedom to choose. Gives the freedom to choose. Free choice, choice. You get to choose. You get to have free will. Love only possesses what it releases. We only truly have what we give away. And this father gave the son his freedom to choose, to make the choices. God did not create humans as robots with no choices but to obey. We're not computers required to obey the commands of our programmers. Now, I I have a computer with a mind of its own. It gives me messages all the time. It says things like, you have performed an illegal operation. I said, what? Am am I going to be arrested? It says, do you want to save the normal template? What does that mean? Do you want to save the changes to the documents? Hey, I don't remember making any changes, so leave me alone. My computer tells me what to do. It says, download this file, update this. And every time I update something on my computer, something changes, and I have to learn it all over again. Anybody else in the same? Okay, same thing. It happens all over again. What I want is computer programs that de-date the program. If you liked Windows 3.0, you can go back to Windows 3.0. If you like the original Apple Macintosh, you can have it back. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Computers are supposed to do what we say. Well, it doesn't always work that way. 
Humans, we get to choose. We get to choose. We cannot force our children to love us. They choose to love their parents. And some of you here this morning may be able to identify with this father giving love, giving love to a child, to a spouse, a a parent, a friend, a relative, and it's unreturned. God does not require our love. It's our choice. It's ours to return. God will not impose his will. That's the father. When stark contrast to the father God, we see the son. What do we see in the son? What was the son like? The son's character. He was rebellious. Now, this wasn't overt rebellion that we can see. It was not very obvious at first. He just left home and he said, I will live my own life, thank you. I'm going to live my own life, thank you. The son turned his back on his father and resisted his control and refused his guidance. That was where he started. The son was also reckless or careless. It says in verse 13, he squandered his estate. He wasted everything. And soon everything he had was gone. And thirdly, he was immoral. He squandered his inheritance, not just with foolish investments, gambling, or poor choice of stocks, but it says he did it with loose living. The sequence was rebelliousness, carelessness, and immorality. And now his inheritance was gone. How can we identify with that today? Where are you today? This son went to a far country. And the far country represents the realm of rebellion. The realm of rebellion. What is your far country? What's your far country? Is there a realm of rebellion? We yearn for freedom to do our own thing. We want no restraints. And it starts with little things. It starts with ideas and opinions and plans and money and priorities and relationships. We waste and squander the gifts God gave us, what we have. Pretty soon, we're just not at home with God anymore. Now, maybe there was a time that you felt at home with God. And I'm not talking about church, which is a gathering of people. I'm talking about being at home with God personally. Prayer becomes difficult. Maybe you've been gone so long you find it difficult to even talk to God. Most of us may not think of ourselves as being wasteful or extravagant, but any time we spend on things of no value is wasteful, extravagant living. Lloyd Ogilvie says, many of us are not squanderers with problems. We're just wanderers from our potential. Not squanderers with problems, just wanderers from our potential. I'm not all that bad. We don't have to be down and out, addicted to drugs, on the street, whatever. The haves and the have-nots have a lot in common. Both miss the reason they were born. If you were to say what, what your far country is, what is your far country? Are you squandering your gifts from the Father? Are you wandering from your potential? Most of us live in a frantic search for meaning, purpose, and significance. We may not ask, what will I do when the money runs out? But we ask, what can I squeeze into a life and acquire before the undertaker arrives? As you know, he who dies of the most toys wins. That's the thing. Character. Character produces circumstances. That's the relationship. Now let's look at the ruin. What, what happened? What circumstances did this son's character produce? Broke, 
He had spent everything. Hungry, he began to experience need and degraded, started feeding the pigs. Here we have a sequence of events, broke, hungry, and degraded. Now, none of his so-called friends would help him at this point. Now, he was out of money. That, that was his fault. The famine, that was out of his control. That was out of his control. Our disasters, and we look at our life and look at past, we find that some of our disasters are our fault. It's a result of our actions. We reap what we sow. But some of those are totally out of our control. I had no idea I was going to lose my job. I didn't expect my health problems. I can't believe I lost money in the stock market. My marriage failed. I didn't see that coming. The results show our helplessness and emptiness. Has that ever in your life ever happened to you? Reaching the bottom or reaching the top and realizing it doesn't mean anything. It's meaninglessness. Every accomplishment satisfies for a while. Every possession satisfies for a while. But eventually, it all runs out. It all runs out. Let's look at the realization. This is discovery, realization, and remembrance. In verse 17, it says, The son came to his senses. His senses. He saw himself as he really was. As it's been said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But first, it may make you miserable. So it happens. Sometimes it takes drastic circumstances to get us to look at our lives. In a far country, rebellious, broke, hungry, empty, and degraded, we see others who have their needs filled. The father's servant, and he looks back and says, wow, they had it so good. I had it so good. So we come to the return. We come to the return. Verse 18. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. His plan of action, first to repent, confess, and then earn it back. He wanted to earn it back. Earn it back. He, he had remorse for his actions and joined it with faith that his father would not reject him. He knew he had no right in his own merit to be accepted back. So he would offer to work. He was going to earn the money back, put, put it back, starting as a servant again. It's, I'm going to earn my way into relationship. We never do that, do we, with God? I'm going to earn my way back into relationship with God. What's wrong with the picture? Recognize the problem, that's good. Return to relationship, that's good. Confess my sins, that's good. To earn it back, ah, because he thought his relationship was based on the things I do. The things I do. What if? My father will love me more if I apologize. He'll love me more if I repent. He'll love me more if I earn my way back into his graces. What if, he asked, will he love me more? Will he accept me more? How many times do we do that in a bargain with God? When we return to relationship with God, the problem recognition, returning and confessing is all great. But we cannot earn our God, our Father's love back. We can't earn it. It's unconditional. It never went away. His love never went away. We can't earn it back. It's always there. We don't bargain with God. His love is without conditions. It's truly extravagant. So what happened in the reunion? 
What kind of father did the son have? And what kind of father God do we, do we have? First, we see the father is waiting. Father's waiting. As a parent, the moment our child leaves our presence, especially in rebellion, we wait for their return. Parents understand this. If they're away, they're not safe in an unknown state. We wait actively. Our daughter, Brittany, was 18 months old. She's our firstborn. 18 months old, and we were shopping in a department store in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The newspapers and news reports are full of accounts of kidnappings and child abductions, children disappearing, never to be seen again. And that's always in your mind as you're out with your child in public. And Brittany vanished. She vanished. She just disappeared. She was gone. We couldn't find her anywhere. Time stood still. We waited. We waited. Nothing was important at that time. I didn't care about my job, my career, money, summer vacations, cars, home. Nothing mattered. There was nothing that I cared about at that moment in time. My child was gone until she peeked out from the clothes rounder. Yeah, we had a few words. Don't ever do that again. You know, it was one of those things. When you are away from God, he's like we were, waiting. Nothing is more important to him than finding you. Nothing is more important than him finding you. Why? Because of love. The father is waiting. The father is also watching. Verse 20 says, while he was a long way off, his father saw him. He was actively watching for his son, hoping and praying. Far off denotes a great distance, more of a spiritual distance than a physical distance. Why? Love. Love. We find the father also has compassion. Says he was filled with compassion. Now, compassion isn't feeling sorry for someone. Compassion is feeling pity for, accompanied with a desire to do something about it. Compassion is active, it's not passive. It says he had compassion, it's action-centered. And the root of all that compassion is love. The father didn't say, you deserved what you got. He didn't say, you got to prove yourself again. He didn't say, I will love you more now, or I loved you less then. The father said, you belong to me apart from the things you do, apart from the things you've done. I love you, period. Period. The father's actions demonstrated that love. And what did he do? The father eagerly runs to his son. Runs. This isn't a culture which running was considered totally inappropriate for a man of wealth and prestige. They, didn't, they just didn't run. They didn't do that. This is the day God ran. God ran. God loves us so much that when we've been gone or we lost, he literally runs to us. He runs to us. That is love. Does God love us more? 
Does God love us less? No, God just loves. Then we find the Father accepts and loves. In human relationships, we have a difficult time accepting someone back if we've been hurt. Someone hurts us, we have pain, we get protective, we create a shell. And if that someone wants to return, they have to prove themselves again. That's human. That's human. This is supernatural. Superhuman. God's love, he accepts us and loves us. Are you sitting here this morning wondering if God could ever welcome you back? If God could forgive you? Thinking it's all about the things we do. It's not. It's not. We try to earn our way back to God, and God says, No, you are my child by virtue of relationship, not by what you do or don't do. So we have the restoration. The father takes some actions here to prove to the son that he's fully restored. He embraced him, he kissed him, he brought a robe, a ring, sandals, all marks of sonship, all marks of relationship. Signs of acceptance, total restoration, total reconciliation. It was a reestablishment of sonship. The son confessed, the son repented, the son returned, but the father executed the restoration. The father brought the restoration. Only God can bring total restoration. It's the work of God alone. Nothing we have done, not based on things we do, but based on what Jesus has done. When we recognize our need, confess our sins, repent, return to God, God is waiting. God is watching. God is ready to run to us, throw his arms around us. That is love. That is love. Remember the complaint? The complaint that started this this story, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus says, I do eat with sinners, but it's far worse than that. I not only eat with them, I run down the road, embrace them, shower them with kisses, and drag them in so that I may eat with them. That's love. That's restoration. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Where are you today, this Father's Day? Have you been asking, what if, what if, would you love me more? Would you love me less? Do I belong to Jesus apart from the things I do? What if? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this picture of love. 
and the story that you told in response to religious people's questions about whether you accept people where they are. I pray, God, that we would see ourselves as recipients of this unconditional love. And that we, God, would understand that that's all that you've given us, the love, the love of God. And I pray that we would be able to be empowered to extend that same love to those around us. And if there's anybody here that has never experienced that love, that they would reach out to you and confess and receive that love from Jesus today. And we thank you in Jesus' name.